Well, good morning, everyone. 3.30 this morning, I woke up with this thought. He has risen. And I couldn't go back to sleep. (laughs) So excited that we celebrate an empty tomb. Welcome those who are joining us online this Easter. We are so honored to have you worship with us this Sunday. When we celebrate the greatest event in the history of the world. The resurrection of God's Son. Our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. We are in part three of a four-part message series entitled, I Am Jesus. And we have, over the period of time, we have taken a look at, there are actually seven sayings, I Am sayings in the Gospel of John, and we've been taking a look at four of them. Four weeks ago, we took, three weeks ago, we took a look at the I am the vine. I am the true vine. Last week, we took a look at I am the light of the world. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at I am the good shepherd. But today, we look at our third in the series. Would you stand for the reading of God's word once again? And on this Easter Sunday... Jesus told her, and he's still telling us today, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me, come on somebody, will never die. And then he asked the all-important question. He asked it to Mary, and he's asking it to all of you today. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? You may be seated. What exactly is a resurrection? It's when something dies and is what? And is what? And is brought back to life. And what I want to share with you is I want to share you the context of when Jesus proclaimed these words. I am the resurrection and life. So in order to get the context, we have to go back to chapter 11, verse 1. Where a man named Lazarus was sick. And let me tell you something. He wasn't just sick. He was very sick. In in fact, if you know the story, he's so sick that he's going to die. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. Verse 2 is a little commentary on on Mary. We'll we'll skip over that. Verse 3 says, So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus. Telling him, Lord, the one you love, your dear friend, he's he's very sick. You know what I've realized? 
Not all news is good news. Did you know that? Not all news is good news. Sometimes there's bad news. And I just want to stop for a moment and acknowledge that there are some of you, a lot of you, who right now are in a good season of life. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. You are just on top of the world. You're enjoying life. But then also I'm aware of that there's a lot of you who this season maybe is not so good. And perhaps, like Jesus, you've received some bad news. The friend you love is sick. Somebody you care for has cancer. You're behind in your bills and the creditors keep calling. That perfect marriage is not so perfect anymore. And the principal is calling to talk about your teenager, not to congratulate you on them making the honor roll. Sometimes we get bad news. But in the middle of this, in the middle of Jesus hearing that his friend is sick, he says these words. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness, it's not going to end in death. No, it happened. What? No, it happened for what? Lazarus' sickness happened for what? It happened so that the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Hello, somebody. His sickness was going to bring about glory for the Son of God. Which reminds me sometimes that not everything in life that you want to happen will, will happen. In fact, there are some things that happen that are, that are you never want to happen. But when those things happen that you never want to happen, this scripture tells me that God can use that very situation for his honor and for his glory. There are some things we just don't want to happen. But when they happen, when you get that bad news, remember that God can use it for his honor and for his glory and that his son can be glorified. That's what this scripture tells me. Now let me just paraphrase a couple of verses for you and for the sake of time. It says that Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And because he loved Mary, Martha and Lazarus, when he got this news, what do you think everybody expected? Everybody thought that what? He would go and help. He would show up. But can I remind you of something? Just because Jesus loves you doesn't mean you're exempt from sorrow, 
sickness, and death. Jesus loved them, but right now they're experiencing sorrow. They're experiencing Lazarus' sickness and his soon death. So as everybody's expecting him to go, what does Jesus do? Nothing. He just hangs around. While everybody else is freaking out, he's just hanging out. And a few days later, he says to his disciples, Come on, let's, let's go to Judea. And they're like, what? No! We can't go there. Because they'll kill you. Don't you remember just a few months ago, if, if you turn back to chapter 10, you'll find that Jesus is in Jerusalem for the festival of the dedication, Hanukkah, where he proclaims to be the Son of God and people were picking up rocks to stone him. Now remember, remember that. We can't go. They'll kill you. And then Jesus said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. And now I will go and wake him up. Now, that doesn't mean he's taking a nap, it doesn't mean he's tired. It's a metaphor. That Lazarus has died. And we need to go raise him up. As I went through this story. I started to realize. That Lazarus was not the only one. Who needed to be resurrected. And you're like. What are you talking about? Just, just follow along with me. Because I want to share with you. Three others in this story. That something inside of them died and needed to come back to life. I want to talk about one of his disciples, Thomas. And then I want to talk about Mary. And then I want to talk about her sister, Martha. And I want you to see what was it that died in them and needed to be resurrected. Well, let's do Thomas first because some of you today may be wrestling with your doubts. Thomas was dead in his doubts. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, well, over the years we've given him another nickname, haven't we? We know him as Doubting Thomas. He's, he's always doubting. Poor Thomas, always doubting. <laughs> and remember, they said, No, you can't go to Judea. They'll kill you. Thomas, hey, good old Thomas, here's the encourager. Come on, let's go too and we'll just die with Jesus. Now there's a man of faith, isn't it? Come on, guys, let's just go and and we'll just die with him. Thomas dead with his doubts. Now, if all of you would be perfectly honest on this Easter, all of you would have to admit that at some time 
you have wrestled with doubt in your life. Because everybody I know at one time prayed the prayer and believed that God could and thought he would and boom, he didn't. And all of a sudden you begin to wrestle with your doubts. Maybe you have this simple faith growing up, going to church with your parents. And all of a sudden, a professor or a teacher challenged you in your beliefs, saying, what are you kidding? You you actually believe what said took place? And they start to explain all the miracles and you start to wrestle with your doubt. You you start to wrestle, did I just believe because my parents believed or do I believe because it's actually true? And and I've known many young adults seeking for their independence who begin to wrestle with their faith, wrestle with doubts. And then what about someone whom you care for? Someone you know. And it's like they can't get a break. It's one thing after another. One bad thing after another. They can't catch a break. And as you're praying for them, you hear of something else that comes up. And you're like, oh my goodness. God, if you are good... Why aren't you doing something? God, if you are all powerful, why don't you just stop and give them a break? Come on, we've all wrestled with our doubts of why God hasn't done something when we thought he should have. And if you're not wrestling with your doubts, Well, maybe some of you are drowning in discouragement. I want to talk about Mary for a moment. Mary was just dead in her discouragement. Can't catch a break. One thing after another just keeps happening. What's the use? Martha got word that Jesus was coming. and (laughs) Martha's the busy one, always running around. She went to meet him. And I'm sure, come on, don't you think? Hey, Mary, you coming? What's the use? It's too late. Hello, Martha, he's dead. Remember we put him in the tomb? Why bother him now? Woe is me. Why even bother? Come on, you ever been there? Drowning in your discouragement. My situation is never going to change. The situation that I'm in is is always going to be hopeless. Woe is me. I feel so lonely. I feel so rejected. I feel so depressed. This job that I have, I just hate. I 
can't seem to get ahead? I'm just kind of stuck. I'm in this rut. I'm always the victim. And you're just drowning in your discouragement. Why even bother? You, you can go, Martha. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just staying here. So if you're not wrestling with your doubts and you're not drowning in your discouragement, maybe you can recognize the third person, Martha. I call Martha dead in her despair. What is despair? Despair is at a complete loss. She's at a complete loss. When Jesus arrived in Bethany, he was told that Lazarus has already been in the grave for four days. Now that's important. Why is that important? Because there was a superstition back then. It wasn't biblical. It it wasn't a Christian view. It was just a tradition that, that when you died, your spirit hung around for three days. And after three days, it departed and you were dead. In fact, remember when Jesus asked for the stone to be removed? Martha says, he'll smell terribly. I like what the King James says. He stinketh. He stinketh. I remember many years ago, right where I'm standing, used to be a parsonage. The gray little parsonage. And over to your left where all the cars are parked, that was all woods. And deer would run back and forth. And every once in a while, deer would get hit by a car. Make it into the corner of the woods. And I'll tell you, in the summer, after three days, it stunketh. And I knew that as that deer began to stink, it would never get up. He'd been in the grave four days. Now, a little note. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. Actually, 1.7 miles. Why was that in there? To show the point that, hey, we shouldn't go to Judea because they tried to carry and kill you in Jerusalem. Bethany's only 1.7 miles away from, from Bethany. is only 1.7 miles away from Jerusalem. If they tried to kill you in Jerusalem, they're going to try to kill you. And Martha says, what we have all said at one time or another, if only, if only, if only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If only you didn't take so long. If only you didn't just hang around and came when you were asked. If only you were a little quicker. If only you would have been here. And we do that all the time. If only, God, you would heal this person. 
I know that they would get saved. And not only they would get saved, but their whole family would get saved. And not only their whole family would get saved, their whole town would get saved. And not only their whole town would get saved, the whole community would be, the whole, whole county would be saved. The whole state would be saved. And there'll be such a great outpouring of God's spirit, if only, like we know more than God. If only. And we wrestle with our doubts. We drown in our discouragement. And we hit the pit of despair. Where we pray and we pray and we pray. And nothing seems to happen. That person who is sick. And you just believe that God's going to heal them. You pray and you pray and you pray. And it seems as if sometimes they get worse. If only God. I remember, well, a couple situations where a young couple in our church wanted to extend their family. And they were having a hard time conceiving. And I'm telling you, Sunday after Sunday, week after week, month after month, year after year, that couples, those couples would be at the altar just praying that God would give them a child. In some situations, there was so much despair that when another couple became pregnant, we didn't even want to announce it to the church for fear. And to respect them. But you know what I've realized? I've realized even in this story. And if you're struggling with praying and you're not getting an answer. I trust that this speaks to you. Because this is what this story tells me. God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not his denials. He always knows the perfect time and the right place for him to do his miracle. Now, in my Bible, verse 21 is at the bottom of the column. My Bible has two columns on each page. And I got to the bottom of this column. Martha said to Jesus, if only, if only. But then to go on, I had to do something. And listen to me. In order to go on with the rest of the story, I had to look up to the next column. What am I saying? In your doubts, don't forget to look up. In your discouragement, don't forget to look up. In your despair, don't forget to look up. Because as you look up, but even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. In her 
pit of despair in her if onlys. She looked up. She looked at Jesus face to face, eye to eye, and said, even now I know. And you know what some of you need this morning? You need an even now moment right now. In your doubts, you need to look up and have an even now when God restores your faith. In your drowning in discouragement, you need an even now moment where God will bring hope. And in your despair, you need an even now moment to look up and know that God will restore trust. Even now, I know that whatever I ask, she's climbing out of that pit of despair, and Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Your faith will rise again. Your hope will rise again. Your trust will rise again. Your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha says, he will rise again when, when everybody else rises at that last day. She's, now, she's a little confused. Because she sees the resurrection as an event. And Jesus says, no, you don't understand. I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. I am the one that brings things back to life. The resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person. It's Jesus. And when dead Things are in a room and the resurrection walks into that room. Those dead things aren't dead any longer. Jesus is in this house today. Here's an interesting comparison. He goes to the tomb and he asks for the stone to be rolled away. And he calls out in a loud voice. You know why he called out in a loud voice? Because dead people can't hear. He call- I don't know why. I always think it's so strange. Why did he call out in a loud voice? Lazarus, come forth! And Lazarus comes out in his grave clothes. And he says, release him of those clothes and let him go. And he's alive. Remember when they sealed Jesus in his tomb? And the women went early in the morning, and as they were going, all of a sudden, it, hey, who's going to, what, roll away the stone? And there's some of you today who feel trapped in your doubts, who feel trapped in your discouragement, who feel trapped in your despair. And you feel like the stone has been rolled in front and sealed. And you're saying, Pastor, 
I don't have the strength to move that stone. And I'm telling you, you don't need the strength because Jesus already removed it. And the same voice that called Lazarus out of his grave is calling you to come out. Come out and let me give you hope once again in your discouragement. Let me give you faith. Let me resurrect faith where you're doubting. And let me resurrect trust in your despair. Why? Because I am the resurrection. It's not an event. It's a person. And when the resurrection walks into the building, dead things come alive. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. Thank you, Jesus.